You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. And welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu. And on this edition, we're going to be discussing the latest news with regards to Bukayo Saka's future. Our star boy, our match winner at the weekend, as has so often been the case uh, over the course of the last couple of seasons. There has been a report from the Athletics, David Ornstein, with regards to the player's future and Arsenal's intentions of extending and giving the player uh, a much more lucrative contract offer. Okay, um, before we do that, I have to address the elephant in the room because I know there will be people that want me to talk about uh, a few other subjects. The win, uh, continuing the reaction from that, what Spurs' win yesterday uh, means for the top four race. I know that people want to hear about the celebration police. We'll round up the FA Cup action. Stephen Gerrard's comments on Bamiyang's performance as well in El Clasico, Saliba's first France call-up. There's so much to unpack from the weekend, but we are going to be doing that on our full show a little bit later on today. That show will be available live on the YouTube channel from 5pm UK time, and it will drop in podcast format first thing tomorrow morning. So we're not agreeing, uh, sorry, we're not ignoring all of that. We're not brushing it all to one side. We are going to address all of that in, of course, our full-length episode. But this is the Chronicles of Aguna Extra, and we're going to be focusing on, as I mentioned, the star boy, Bukayo Saka. I mean, what a revelation this young lad has been. He's come in, he's played in a variety of positions for Arsenal um, since since breaking into the side. He played at left-back, he played at left-wing-back, he played in a number 10 at certain points. He's now found his home and his best position, I believe, out on the right flank. And he's really been a difference maker for the Arsenal. He's got nine goals and five assists in the Premier League this season, um, which suggests that his outputs have dramatically increased. And And I've got to say, look, I've got to be honest, when we went into the season, I was looking at him and I was looking at Smith Rowe. And one of my big worries was, are those two guys going to be able to produce the kind of outputs that we need? Um, are they going to step it up to the level required? And so far, so good. They've both done it. They've both delivered. Um, Gabriel Martinelli's come into the picture as well, and he has been delivering in terms of his performances as well. Uh, so, you know, there's lots and lots to be optimistic about at Arsenal. But when you get a player like Bukayo Saka come through the ranks, first of all, you have that greater affiliation with him because he is homegrown, because he is Arsenal through and through. You can't deny that. You know, you do get that. Big signings, big name players, they come and go over the course of years. But when it's a somebody that's come through, as I say, through the Arsenal Academy, somebody who understands, knows what it means um, and, and feels honoured to represent Arsenal Football Club specifically, then that bond becomes really strong. And, and then as fans, you're always desperate to A, see them succeed, but also you don't want to see them go anywhere else. And there have been some murmurs and there have been some reports that a number of high profile clubs are starting to look at Bukayo Saka as an option for the future. Liverpool 
being named as one of them. And I've got to be honest, my heart would break if Bukayo Saka joined Liverpool. I don't want to see him join any other Premier League club, but in particular Liverpool, um, that would hurt because of just, you know, if he was to join Liverpool, it wouldn't be because Liverpool can offer him ridiculous or, or are willing to offer him ridiculous and crazy amounts of money in the way that a Man City would or a PSG would or a Real Madrid or a Barcelona would. It would be because he feels that Liverpool are more competitive and that would indicate that we still haven't progress to the level where we all want ourselves to be. So, yeah, I don't want to see him leave. And as I say, that connection between us as fans and someone like Bukayo Saka is incredibly strong. So what is the story here? What is the news? And the news is that, according to David Ornstein, Arsenal have uh, opened up informal talks with Bukayo Saka with a view to extending uh, his contract and offering him a pay rise. Now, that is because the deal that he signed back in 2020, which still has until 2024 to run, is not reflective necessarily, financially, you'd assume, of his importance to the team. And and that's understandable. You know, in the last couple of years, he's come on such a long way. Naturally, you're going to re you're going to look at it you're going to revisit it and you're going to feel that we need to be proactive in this rather than reactive we need to protect that asset we need to convince him that arsenal is the place for him we need to convince him that you know that this is where he can go on to achieve all that he dreamed of achieving in his football career but it's not just financial right you have to convince him from a football perspective that we are moving in the right direction and that's why for me Champions League qualification, although it wasn't necessarily what I expected, um, you know, at the start of the season, given the position that we're in now, you feel like if we could take this opportunity, if we could slip in the back door and get into fourth place, it could just be so big for the future of the club and in terms of how we are perceived moving forward. Not only would it show good progress under Mikel Arteta with a very young squad, the youngest team in the Premier League, it would show that, or, you know, it would give us, sorry, the capability to financially compete in terms of what we can offer as wages and various other bits and pieces. The club have been running at a loss for a few seasons now. And, you know, no businessman wants that to be the case for his business. And it's not sustainable forever. So we can talk about these self-sustaining models and we can talk about the opposite model, which is having a rich sugar daddy who is going to fund things. Well, we're not in either one of those brackets. You know, it's not we're not completely self-sustainable at the moment because we're operating at a level financially that is just not it's just not working in terms of the numbers, in terms of the wages that we've been spending. I appreciate we've moved a lot of those players on now, but financially it hasn't been working for a few years and neither do we have a sugar daddy in Stan Kroenke who's just going to keep pumping money in a la Roman Abramovich to, to keep our heads above water. So Champions League qualification and getting back into that league and into that bracket is going to do us so much good from a reputational perspective, but also from a monetary one too. And so it's really important. Look, I think when I look at this and, and when I kind of worry about it, I don't worry about it in the same way I worried about, for example, Cesc Fabregas or the way I worried about Robin Van Persie. Those were guys who, yes, they made their names at Arsenal, but they weren't Arsenal people. They weren't Arsenal through and through. And I just feel like Bukayo Saka's relationship with the club, that existing relationship, the fact that it's been such a long relationship, um, you know, it, it's, it's stronger 
and maybe I'm thinking from a romantic perspective and maybe this is not the reality, but it feels to me like it would be harder for somebody like Bakayo Saka to walk away from Arsenal than it would have been for Cesc Fabregas or it would have been for Robin Van Persie. Um, his relationship with Mikel Arteta is clearly very, very strong. Now, listen, he didn't bring him through initially. You know, he, he played games, a lot of games under Unai Emery. Um, and, and one of the good things that Unai Emery did do was give people like Saka Martinelli opportunities. But I feel like his bond with Mikel Arteta is much stronger. And I think there's a, a huge trust in Bukayo Saka that he really feels coming across from the manager. The fact that even when he's dead on his feet, he's left out on the field of play. It's because Mikel Arteta trusts him. He sees him as one of his lieutenants. He sees him as one of his main men. And that feeling of being valued is often an underrated commodity in football. I really do believe that. So he will feel valued. He will feel like this is his home. But now Arsenal as a football club have to continue progressing at the rate of these young players if we want to keep hold of all of them, i.e. we have to get in the Champions League sooner rather than later. And when we do, we have to sustain being a Champions League club. We have to keep hold of that status and become regulars in the competition again. It can't be getting it one season and then fall out of it for another four or five years. In order to continue progressing, in order to make Arsenal seen across the continent as a serious club again, in order to make people feel like this is somewhere they want to come and play their football and that they can do it at the highest level. We need to be a mainstay in the Champions League again. And that's not going to be easy. You know, it's not. You look at the rest of the Premier League, you look at City, um, you know, they're a machine. You look at Liverpool, they're a machine too. You look beyond that and you look at Chelsea. Okay, Chelsea might hit a bit of a brick wall financially now moving forward. They've got plenty of um, problems to contend with. But if a, a rich billionaire owner comes in and takes over the club, there's nothing to say that they won't continue in the same vein. Um, you look at Newcastle United, a real emerging force. Tottenham will be desperate to get back in there as well. And a, a rebuilding, it looks like, under Antonio Conte. Manchester United, you know, they're not going to be where they are now forever. So it's always going to be difficult because you're talking about six, seven teams that will be competing ultimately, as it stands at the moment, for four Champions League spots. So to be a mainstay it is difficult. And you've got to add to that as well. Like we're in fourth position now. And we're going quite well. And a lot of people are confident that we're going to achieve that. But we haven't been playing in Europe this season. And so when it comes to next season, where we're trying to compete on that front, if we do get there, Touchwood, and trying to maintain our position in the Premier League, things become a lot more difficult. The level that you need to be at becomes significantly higher. The squad needs to be bigger. Um, I just think that it's really, really important that we make these strides, though, while these players uh, sort of are on their upward trajectory, because only then can you convince them that this is the place for them to commit their long-term futures to. That doesn't mean that, you know, that the player won't leave. You know, we've seen it time and time again. A contract doesn't necessarily mean that a player is going to stay somewhere forever um, or that they're going to stay there till the end of that particular contract term. If a right offer comes in and the player expressed the desire to move on and leave, I'm sure the club would have to consider it depending on what was on the table. But it's just, um, you know, it's it's although it's something that is kind of like niggling away in the back of my mind about some of these players is that if we don't hurry up and get to where we need to get to, are we going to be able to keep them? The other thing is that, that I'm feeling, which is quite encouraging, is that Arsenal are being proactive 
as opposed to reactive. And in the past, we've been reactive. We've let players' contracts run down. Now, okay, the landscape at the club was very different. And you could argue that the reason we did that was more financial than anything else. But we've, you know, we've got to be on this. And and I'm optimistic at the fact that given we're opening these talks, and although there are only informal discussions at the moment, it gives me confidence that Arsenal have learned their lessons from the past and will be more proactive than reactive. You know, this current contract that Bukayo Saka's on, it runs until 2024. So it's still a good couple of years left on it. So to be actively trying to fix this situation and avoiding what could be a catastrophe in the future, I think is a sign that Arsenal as a football club are moving in the right direction and something we should be encouraged by. Let's get your thoughts and questions um, on uh, on the Saka situation in the chat box. Look, I could sit here and wax lyrical for two hours about Bukayo Saka. I think his game has really, really developed over the last few months in particular. I think that he's become much better this season um, at delivering final product. Uh, he's always had the ability to get into the right positions and into the right areas. He's always been busy. He's always been hardworking. But I feel now that he's got more of a killer instinct. I feel like he's improved in his dribbling, which sounds a bit silly like, or, or a bit, not silly, but maybe a bit simplistic. Um, to the listening ear. But what I mean by that is I think he's much more tricky with the ball at his feet. I think he keeps the ball closer to him. I think he's bulked up a bit in terms of his body shape. And I think he's, you know, he's proven that in the way that he can now hold players off. I think there was a really good example of that in the Villa game in the second half where the ball was played into him, um, into his feet. And he had Ashley Young sort of behind him. And he almost like Romelu Lukaku style, obviously without the big frame, pinned Ashley Young back and then had the, the the sharpness to spin away from him. And and Bukayo Saka's really improved in that sense. As I say, I think physically, um, in terms of his strength and, and build, I think he's improved in that sense too. So there's lots of ways in which Bukayo Saka has, has continued to, to progress and, and shown himself to be at a, a much higher level than ever before. He's getting credit now across the board. I think what happened to him with England in the summer, had the potential to be a real kick in the bollocks. Uh, but he's shown incredible bollocks to stand up and and take that experience and turn it into something as of, of a positive. I think it's really improved uh, him mentally, having been through that and come out the other side. I like the fact that although he's incredibly humble, he still knows that he's good. He still knows that he's got clout now and he still knows that he is someone that deserves respect. And I like the way that he went and spoke to the referee at halftime against Aston Villa about the protection that he felt he needed, because that shows to me a young lad who, yes, comes across as incredibly humble um, in all of his interviews and incredibly down to earth, but also recognises that he is somebody now. And it's not arrogance, it's confidence. And you need confidence to hit the highest level in anything. Some people often misconstrue that for arrogance. Some people can't see the line in between the two things. But I think in Bukayo Saka's case, you're now seeing him act like a confident and seasoned professional who is at the top of his game, as opposed to a kid who shows bursts of excitement, who shows glimpses of his quality, but doesn't always uh, deliver. Uh, sort of come the uh, come the reckoning. So yeah, I'm I'm really positive about Bukayo Saka's career and and the direction in which he's going. And although I'm a tiny little bit worried that if we don't manage to 
you know, to to get him to commit. Uh, and if we don't manage to show him all the things he needs to see, because as I say, it's not just financial, it's about ambition in football as well. Um, I wouldn't expect the lad to put his ambitions to one side for Arsenal Football Club. I think it's well, he, sorry, is well within his rights to put his career first and prioritise what he's doing and, and prioritise what it means for him. I, I think that's absolutely right. I think gone are the days where you get one club players. It's very rare now. And if you do get it, it's great, but it's not a, a common thing. As I say, financially, we need to be able to compete, but also from a footballing perspective, we need to be showing that we're heading in the right direction. So that's my worry. That's my concern. What kind of ease is that concern? Just to summarise before I go to your comments and thoughts, as I said, is that, of course, he has that long-standing relationship with the club. He's come up through the ranks. He's got a really good relationship with the manager at present. And although we don't know how long Mikel Arteta will be at the club for, you you sign contracts based on what you know to be the case now. And, you know, perhaps if Mikel Arteta, who he seriously believes in and trusts, uh, you know, maybe informally, explains that he's in for the long haul. Maybe that will influence in Saka's decision as well. Um, but as I said, the, the, the idea of Bukayo Saka leaving or joining another Premier League club, it makes me feel bloody sick. So hopefully uh, we can get this deal wrapped up as soon as possible. But it is just at the stage of informal talks. Uh, nothing is done yet. And Arsenal are expected, according to the report from The Athletic, to make an official offer uh, in the not too distant future, but they're just feeling things out at the moment. I think they're trying to understand and work out what it is they'll need to do. And that, of course, I think will probably have an impact on their planning moving forward financially too. So, yeah, I think they're, they're testing the water at the moment, but nothing to suggest he won't stay um, at this moment in time. The only thing that I'm worried about, as I say, is that if we cannot continue this momentum in terms of developing as a team, and cannot prove ourselves to be as competitive as some of the clubs that will be in there uh, circling around him. I also want to say a big welcome to Essential Departure, who's just signed up uh, to the Chronicles of Aguna membership scheme. Uh, mate, thank you so, so much and welcome to the family. If you head over to the community tab on YouTube as a member, you'll be able to see the Discord link. Make sure you click on that, come over, join us in the Discord, get your questions in for this week's mails, uh, so, sorry, members mailbag podcast which is coming up tomorrow um lots and lots to get through on that as always and uh yeah we look forward to interacting with you in the chat mate thank you so so much for the support um wandering minstrel says the stronger he gets in time the better the player he'll be i completely agree uh steve stone uh, says liverpool no way it will never happen harry not in my opinion anyway i hope not uh, I really do hope uh, you're right on that, Steve. Uh, Junior Gunner says, I love Saka, but I've been stung far too many times with important players forcing moves and leaving at key moments. I'm desensitised. Yeah, do you know what? I was feeling like that, though, prior to this season. And this season, I've just fallen in love with our team again. And I've fallen in love with, with what the manager's doing. And I'm really, really enjoying the direction in which we're headed. Uh, Axel says, this year is a brilliant opportunity for our beloved AFC. Manchester United and Tottenham will be stronger next season, I fear. But if we were to fail, we need to support the boys. We have a very exciting young team. I think you're right. I think you're absolutely spot on, Axel, to point out that it's an opportunity. That's exactly what it is. And you feel like if it's an opportunity we can take, it will really accelerate our progress because it then makes you a more attractive proposition, being able to offer Champions League football. It also gives you more financial muscle. And then if you can go and strengthen 
to a much higher level, then then you're in a better position, of course, to sustain that uh, moving forward. Uh, some bloke says, I'm really not worried about this on his next contract. If you're listening via the podcast, I'm not just referring to a person as some bloke. That's his screen name, uh, which I love, by the way. Uh, what else have we got? Um, Alex says, I could easily see the draw of being the future replacement to Salah at Liverpool. But why wait on the bench for that day when he can play week in, week out at Arsenal? Yeah, look, football is a very fluid, it's a very fluid sport, right? Things can change and change dramatically pretty damn quickly. So, uh, you know, he, he's got to be focused on the now and he's still so young and he's still got so much room to grow, so much room to improve. You know, that's not to say he, he uh, look, if I'm being honest, as I said, one club players, they're a very, very rare thing. But Bukayo Saka has to be focused on the now. Sometimes, you know, as that saying goes, life is what happens when you're busy making plans for the future. And um, and I think that's exactly it. I think he's got to enjoy the ride. I think he's got to be fully and 100% focused on what he's doing now. And only then can he go on and achieve uh, what we all believe he can. Uh, Jid says, Saka is smart enough to know that he still has to grow as a footballer. And he's so much of an Arsenal boy that he'll develop at Arsenal if he ever leaves. I see it being after five years when he's 25, 26. Uh, Christian Hoover says, give him 200k a week. Um, Ty Gunasaurus says, hopefully Saka and Saliba will see the progress Arsenal made, even if we get fifth or sixth. We are going to talk about Saliba a little bit in the next episode, which is coming, remember, live on the channel at 5pm. Uh, before I continue through your comments, I just want to bring you guys' attention uh, to the latest competition. Uh, brought to you by Football Prizes. Football Prizes, who we've partnered up with uh, over the last month or so, have brought you some incredible prizes so far. We had the Thierry Henry shirt. We had the Dennis Burkamp uh, shirt. We had the Ben White boot. And now we've got a Kieran Tierney signed and framed Arsenal shirt. In order to enter this, for your chance to win it, you can purchase a ticket. There are 99 tickets available. And I think... Yep, 30 of them are already gone. So there's only around about 59 tickets available uh, remaining for you guys uh, if you want to get involved in this. It's, as I say, a Kieran Tierney signed and framed Arsenal shirt. The competition ends on Thursday, 24th of March. Now, that doesn't mean you've got until Thursday, the 24th of March at 7.30 to buy the tickets. If they're gone before that, they are gone. And as many of you saw with the Dennis Burkamp one, they will go pretty quickly if the prize is an appealing one. This really, really is. Kieran Tierney, potential future Arsenal captain. And you can get this signed and framed Arsenal shirt uh, by purchasing a ticket for £3.95. It's the luck of the draw, but there's only 99 tickets available. So you do stand a chance. Get involved. Football prizes. The link is in the description. And as always, we thank them for their support of the podcast. OK, uh, let's see uh, what else we've got. A wandering minstrel says that this is a smart move by Arsenal because it shows the rest of the team that they'll be rewarded and looked after. Yeah, agreed. And in the past, Arsenal have been criticised for not doing this, for not being proactive and not showing people that they're valued until the very last minute when things get desperate. I mean, Robin Van Persie said something along those lines, didn't he, that the contract offer didn't come uh, until very, very late. And and that was of, of huge frustration to him. So, when you've got a group of players that you really believe in, when you've got a group of players you feel that are moving in the right direction, you have to uh, be, as I say, proactive. But there's a balance to be found, right? We've been proactive in other situations. No, actually, maybe not. They were reactive um, 
actions that I'm, I'm talking when I think about this, I'm thinking about Ozu and I'm thinking about Aubameyang. They were reactive in the sense that we were going to let those players get into the final years of their contract, which was just not acceptable. But then because we weren't proactive in dealing with the situation earlier, we had to overcommit financially to convince them. And we then tied ourselves up in knots with the length of those contracts as well, because we then couldn't move on and shift on the players when we wanted to. So you've got to be proactive rather than reactive. That's kind of been my phrase of the show uh, today. But you also have to be sensible in the way you go about things. And Arsenal haven't done that uh, in recent years. Uh, Vladimir says, uh, to some extent, there are similarities to when Sterling was wowing at Liverpool. Really hope Saka doesn't end up going down that route and end up at City or Liverpool. Me too. Um, Matty Guna says, are we a Laka and Xhaka replacement away from a title challenge? I, I don't think we're at the point where we can talk about a title challenge yet. And, and even if we, you know, unless we brought in two world-class players of the highest calibre to replace those two, um, I don't think you can talk about that yet. But also as well, I think for me, Matty, it, it's about depth as well. You know, it's about adding strength in depth. And as I mentioned a little bit earlier on, the added complication, if you like, of being in Europe, while it brings lots of positives, also means that you now have to play two games a week at a really high standard. And we've not always had to do that this season. You know, there's been a couple of weeks where it's been a little bit hectic. And the schedule's not really worked in our favour. But overall, we've obviously played less games than your Chelsea's, than your Man City's, than your Liverpool's. And those teams have all had to use their squads to be able to stay competitive and stay at their level. So I think that if you replace those two with top quality players, then you'd be at a level in terms of your first 11 where you could compete. But it's much bigger than that nowadays. Football is much deeper than that. So I think the depth point is the big point when we're talking about what we need to get to a, a, the level where we can challenge for a title. But just going back to this comment, Laka and Shaka, I'm not of the opinion that Xhaka's a problem at the moment. I, I'm really not. And I, I've always defended him a lot and I've always kind of been branded as as Xhaka's lawyer and all of that rubbish that I get in the chat. But um I really think he's playing well at the moment. So I think the need to sort out our striker situation is much greater than it is in the midfield at this moment in time. But again, it's all about depth. Uh, Adam Daniel says that the rate he's improving is quite scary. Completely agree. Matt G says, Harry, I want you to wax lyrical about Saka for a couple of hours. I'd love to, uh, but the day won't allow it, unfortunately. <laughs> uh, what else have we got? Um, Apologies if I don't get around to all of your comments because there is loads coming through and um, I promise we'll do another Q&A bit on the show that we do later on today. But Saladin says, Saka needs protection. He's been targeted by opposing teams this season. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. And, and I thought and hoped that given his status now with England, that that protection would come. Uh, it would come automatically. He's going to need to keep making a big deal out of it. Mikel Arteta is going to need to keep making a big deal out of it. We as a fan base, we need to keep making a big deal out of it because that's how you put things in the limelight and you need to put it into the referees' minds, into the minds of those officials. And even if it's, it becomes an unconscious bias, it does, you know, the unconscious bias is a thing, right? We need to be working on that. We need to be plugging away. Um, at that narrative so that it does get 
get into the minds of those taking charge of games. And hopefully we get that protection that we seek. Look, we're not asking for favours. We're just asking for him to be protected when he's being kicked lumps out of. We've seen it over the years. Rotational fouling. That's what Aston Villa did at the weekend to Saka. And it was a problem for us. And it was a problem for Saka. And he looked dead on his feet by the time he left the field of play. So in my personal opinion, uh, we need to keep banging on about this. We need to keep making a thing out of it. We need to keep making a deal out of it. And if we can, then I think that will help. Um, what I liked, though, was that Bukayo Saka made a thing of it. And and it, it goes back to what I was talking about, him having not an arrogance now, but knowing that he's got an aura, knowing that he's got an authority, knowing that he's somebody... And, and being able to go over to the referee and have that conversation. But Kyle Saka wouldn't have done that two years ago. He wouldn't have done it a year ago. But he knows now. Um, he's uh, he's at the top of his game. He, he really does. And, and he knows that he's got that value and that credit in the bank, which means he can now go and have these conversations and be taken seriously. Uh, big hello to Daniel, who says, hi, Harry. Daniel from Singapore again. Hope you're well, mate. He says, I always enjoy your podcast and content. Harry and Tom are exceptional. <laughs> Talking about Tom Canton there the, over at the Guna Talk. Make sure you check it out, by the way. He says, not your ordinary Tom, Dick and Harry. Keep up your great work, as do the Gunners. Thank you so much, mate, and appreciate you uh, tuning in. I really, really do. Uh, thank you for your support. Um, Adam Daniel says, I feel like Martinelli will be the most likely um, to be stolen from us. Yeah, if he continues as well, improving, then... Um, then that's a possibility too. And, and it goes back to what I was saying. We as a football club need to be in the position where we can go, no, A, we don't need your money. And B, our players don't see you as an upgrade anymore. That's where we need to get to. We're a huge club. Um, you know, and, and look, Liverpool have proven in recent years that you can get to that level without stupid investment. Yeah, they've outlaid a lot of money on players, but they also brought a lot of players in. Uh, sorry, brought a lot of money in for players prior to that in terms of net spend or whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, they're not in the levels of a city or a United or a Chelsea. So they've proven that there is a way of being competitive, but it means that you need to get everything else right. The culture needs to be right. The coach needs to be right. The identity needs to be right. The style of play needs to be right. And it feels like Mikel Arteta is on the way to building a lot of those things. Um, will there be bumps in the road? Of course. Sometimes it's not in the manager's hands. At times it's purely down to, you know, the players going out on the pitch and delivering. And there'll be nights when they don't and the manager will get all the flack for it. But you've got to look at it in a much more broader way. And you've got to understand that Mikel Arteta's job as a manager is to create an environment for those players to go out and succeed. They've still got to do it, though. OK, uh, let's take just a couple more um, let's take a couple more of your comments. Anthony says, Harry, Arsenal fans have been patient for 18 years. And once they have a team they love, you expect Arsenal to lose players. Bloody hell. Anthony, in 18 years, in that 18 years that you refer to, okay, we've won cups. We've won competitions. We've played in Europe. We've been in European finals. It's not been this you know, this huge disaster, like we've not been fighting relegation or we haven't dropped out of, um, you know, out of the, 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 you know, the top half of the Premier League. Like when people say, oh, we've been patient for 18 years. I, my response is always that 
guys, we we were spoiled prior to that. Arsenal Football Club throughout history have been a very competitive football club. And yet we haven't won the Premier League for a long, long time. Liverpool went 30 years without winning the Premier League. We're not at that stage yet. But I don't think Liverpool fans were massively negative towards their club. They got behind them. They supported them. They had a few cup wins along the way. There was that year when they won the FA Cup, the League Cup and the Europa League or the equivalent of that at the time. Um, you know, they they won a Champions League. You, I think that as football fans and as Arsenal fans, we've been incredibly spoiled. And it's so easy to look at what we achieved in 2004 and think that just at the flick of a switch, we can replicate that. And that's not the case. And I'm not meaning to be negative and I'm not meaning to sort of accept mediocrity. I, I, that's not where I'm coming from on this at all. My point is that what happened in 2004 was a dream to win the league unbeaten and clinch the title at White Hart Lane. These are things that will go down in history forever and if you were lucky enough and old enough to remember them, like I am, then you should cherish those memories. But don't take it as a given. Because things like that don't often happen in football, particularly to go and win a title at one of your biggest rivals. The stars have aligned for Arsenal Football Club in that sense on a few occasions. But don't take that as a given. You know, we've won Cups. We've been in Europe. We've been competitive as much as we possibly could be. Did Arsenal underperform in, in recent years? Absolutely. And I'm not going to deny that for a second. But when people say Arsenal fans have been patient for 18 years, it hasn't been 18 years of misery. You know, ask a Newcastle fan what they would do to win just one cup or one competition in 18 years. Ask an Everton fan. You know, and this is the point. The football landscape has dramatically changed. Clubs have come into contention that shouldn't have been anywhere near competing, that don't ha didn't have the infrastructure, didn't have the quality, didn't have the finances, didn't even have the support, didn't have the fan base. Chelsea 20 years ago, who were they? Chelsea are now a global football club because of tons of money being pumped in and because of their success off the back of that. And so the landscape now is very, very different. When I was growing up, Nobody else could win the Premier League title outside of Arsenal and Man United. So you were competing with one team. If you were better than them, you won the league. It was as simple as that. It's not the case anymore, though. It's very, very different. I, I don't expect Arsenal to lose players. I'm just saying that. Um, I'm just saying that we need to be mindful of the fact that if we don't progress at the right level, that we will face these situations again. And that's just the football cycle. That's how it goes. Players come through, players develop, players improve. The better they get, the more eyes are on them, the more press is on them, the more attention is on them, the more likely is that it is that somebody looks up and goes, he's the guy for me and tests your resolve and tries to bring them to their football club. So I think that um, I, I think that for me, we we can get caught up in this. You know, it's been 18 years of shit. It hasn't. It hasn't been 18 years of shit. And um, and I'd. And I think that we as fans, particularly modern day fans, um, can sometimes get caught in this trap of always expecting perfection and demanding success uh, at every turn. And, and and we forget that it's a very competitive field out there, more competitive than it's ever been. OK, uh, just a quick reminder, if you haven't hit that like button on the stream, please do so. 
Uh, I'd really, really appreciate it. It really, really does help. Uh, so if you could hit the like button, um, that would be a dream. I'll just check in where we are in terms of likes at the moment because uh, there's over a couple of hundred of you with us, but we've only got 52 likes on the board. So please do hit that like button. Let's get up to 100 likes between now and the end of the stream and subscribe to the channel if you are new in terms of our poll that was popping off in the live chat throughout the show are you confident Bukayo Saka will sign a new contract with the Arsenal 95% of you say yes which gives me uh, some encouragement just to summarize before we go um David Ornstein of The Athletic has reported that Arsenal have opened up informal discussions with Bukayo Saka and his representatives about the potential of giving him not just a contract extension, but an improved salary that reflects what his role is in the team at present day. That's what we're hearing. Nothing is done yet, um, but those talks are underway, which, as I say, if you want to look at it from a, an entirely positive point of view, is that it shows Arsenal being proactive, not reactive. And that's something that you could certainly accuse us um, of failing to do in the past. So I'm glad to hear it. But until that deal is done, until that announcement is made, I'm going to be a bit nervous about it in the background uh, as Bukayo Saka continues to impress and perform. Don't forget, we're going to be back on the YouTube channel later today at 5 p.m. for our weekend roundup show. As I said uh, a little bit earlier on, there's loads to get into. We're going to be talking a bit more about the win at Villa. We're going to be talking about the celebration police, uh, Spurs' win and what that means, the FA Cup. Uh, action that took place this weekend. Stephen Gerrard's ridiculous comments and Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang lighting up the El Clasico as much, uh, sorry, as well as more. So come and join me for that. And of course, um, if you're an audio listener, that'll be available to you first thing tomorrow morning. I'll catch you all very, very soon with more Arsenal content. Until then, take care of yourselves and stay safe. All the best. Goodbye. listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.